It's time for a bedtime story. Today's bedtime story is Harris the Hedgehog and his running adventure by A. V. Turner. When young Harris the Hedgehog is awoken one September morning by a group of runners, he decides to investigate further and find out what all the fuss is about. He soon finds himself bitten by the running bug and with the help of his family and friends begins a journey of self-discovery, new friendships and a passion for sport. Harris the Hedgehog and his running adventure by A. V. Turner Chapter 1 It was a warm sunny morning in September. The birds were singing softly in the trees and bees buzzed happily from flower to flower. A mist had formed before sunrise but was clearing now, leaving wisps across the lake. All was peaceful and quiet in the park. Tucked away, deep in a hedgerow, underneath leaves and earth, lay Harris and his family in their little house. They had been awake all night, busy searching for food, but now they slept soundly, snoring softly, snuggled up in their beds, warm and comfortable. Harris twitched his black, shiny nose and sighed contentedly. Not too far away lay his mother, father and sister Harriet. Even though they were asleep, they could still hear the faint buzzing of the trees and the cheerful singing of the birds. It was a nice sound, the sound of a late summer morning bursting into life. Suddenly, Harris heard something else, something that made his nose twitch even more, and he opened one eye, slowly. What was that? he thought to himself. Maybe he was dreaming, but then the sound became louder. Both eyes snapped open sharply, and he raised his head in annoyance. What was that noise and how dare it wake him from his sleep, he grunted unhappily and decided to take a look. Stretching quietly so as not to wake the rest of the family, he slipped out of bed and went to investigate. The leaves crunched gently beneath his little brown feet, but his parents and sister did not stir. He blinked warily, his eyes slowly becoming used to the sunlight. For some moments he could see nothing at all. He looked left and right and left again, nothing. Hmm, he said to himself. I was sure I heard something. Just as he was about to return to the comfort of his bed, there was the noise again. He turned his head, and sure enough, there they were. It was a bunch of noisy humans. They seemed to be quite a lot of them, some big and some small. They were all dressed rather strangely, and they laughed loudly. Just then, Harris's dad appeared at his side, rubbing his eyes. Hmm, humans again, he muttered under his breath. What are they doing, Dad? Don't they know we are trying to sleep? Harris asked. They don't care, his dad replied, popping a worm into his mouth. All they're bothered about is meeting up every now and again and running around the park. Harris looked at the humans angrily. They had woken him and he was far from happy. Why do they do that? he asked after some thought. I don't know, but they do, rain or shine. They line up and off they go, noisy lot. 
Never think about whether they are disturbing us hedgehogs, his dad grunted and stood with his son watching them. How very strange, said Harris. Indeed, said his dad. Humans are very strange things. Don't let it bother you, son. Come back to bed now. You need your sleep. Lots of foraging to do tonight. Just coming, called Harris. His eyes lingered on the growing crowd for a few seconds more before he turned and went back into the darkness of their home. He lay down in his bed. His mother and little sister were still sound asleep and had not stirred. Very soon he was asleep too and dreaming of strangely clothed humans running around the park for no apparent reason at all. Chapter 2 Exactly one week later to the day, the same thing happened again. The little hedgehog family were just dropping off to sleep when... Morning, everyone! a human shouted loudly, with absolutely no consideration for any wildlife. Oh, for goodness sake, said Father Hedgehog, which then woke the rest of the family. Having not long dropped off into a very peaceful daze, and hoping not to be interrupted, they were all very much annoyed and extremely tired. What's going on? mumbled Mother Hedgehog, her eyes only half open. Humans, muttered Father, loads of them all talking far too loudly and jumping around. They get too excited about running around that lake. A lot of commotion about nothing, if you ask me. Do you think we should move our house to somewhere a little quieter? asked Mother. No, Father said firmly. This is our home, and this is where we stay. No human in strange clothing, jumping around like an excitable frog, is going to force me and my family out of our house. Harriet, who was Harris's much younger sister, simply moaned, turned over and went back to sleep. She really couldn't understand what all the fuss was about. Before his parents could do anything to stop him, Harris had taken matters into his own paws and had left the safety of their house. He strode across the grass in the direction of the growing crowd. He stood on his hind legs at the side of the path, his arms were folded and an angry expression on his face. He was about to give them all a piece of his mind when he stopped and thought for a moment. Goodness me, weren't they big close up? Like giants, I say, he said, his voice shaking slightly. No one took any notice whatsoever. He cleared his throat nervously and tried again. I say, he repeated, only this time a little louder. Still they took no notice of him but talked between themselves in very loud voices. Suddenly... One of the humans, a lady, stopped talking and looked at him. Her face loomed down into his, and it startled Harris. He felt very nervous, but stood his ground. Oh, look, she squealed in delight. It's a porcupine. Has it escaped from some sort of zoo? It's not a porcupine, Margaret. It's a hedgehog, said another human, who had a much gruffer voice. Oh, how sweet, she added, peering at him through very thick spectacles. Her eyes looked huge, like a frog's. Wait a minute, added the human, called Margaret. Don't they carry lots of fleas, she said, the last word in a whisper, as though she was embarrassed to even utter it. Harris was most offended. How very rude of her. Still, he did not move, but he was afraid. One swipe and he would be in their grasp. His only saving grace were his trusty spines. Do you think he bites? wondered Margaret and held out a very bony finger in the direction of his face. It looked huge and ugly and the fingernail was a bright red colour. Harris shook from head to toe and closed his eyes, fearing the worst. I wouldn't if I were you, said a voice from behind her. Harris opened his eyes just enough to see a man with a kind face step in front of the human called Margaret and politely usher her away. He said something to her that Harris did not hear. 
The man with the nice face bent down on one knee. Listen, little fellow, he whispered, so as not to frighten the hedgehog. We will be gone shortly. You can go back to your house and enjoy the rest of your sleep. We will not bother you again today. He smiled in a kind sort of way, stood up and walked away. Well, thank you, I, replied Harris, but the man was gone, disappearing into the mass of the crowd. Father was waiting for him in the doorway when he returned and seemed very displeased. That young hog was a very risky move, he said, scowling, his arms folded in front of his broad, furry chest. Do you no good, you know, talking to humans? I've already told you that they are the ones that drive fast, dangerous things called cars, although we don't mention that sort of thing in front of your sister. His father sat down in an easy chair made from hollowed-out wood, reached over, pulled out one of his loose spines and picked his teeth with it. Dad, so gross when you do that, Harris rolled his eyes. Mm, gets the grubs out from between my teeth, he explained. Harris turned away from his dad then and looked out in the direction of the path. The humans had all gone now and he wondered if they were really as bad as his dad said they were. Chapter 3 a few nights later, the whole family set out to look for food. Darkness had fallen and the lights from the city were twinkling in the distance. Their old friend Owl confirmed to them that it was safe to come out and hunt for food. He sat up in his tree, his white feathers gleaming against the night sky. The moon shone behind him, giving the lake a silver glow. Not many humans were out at this time of night, but there were always a few here and there. Harris had strayed a little away from the rest of the family, having seen a particularly juicy woodlouse up ahead at the base of a tree. He was very hungry. Licking his lips, he ran after it on all four paws, but the leaves and twigs caught under his tummy and slowed him down. The woodlouse got away, disappearing into the roots of the tree. Moments later, another one appeared, and without thinking, he stood upon his hind legs, very much like he had done that day when he took on the humans. The woodlouse was fast, scurrying around up ahead of him through the undergrowth. Suddenly, he started to run after it, the louse running faster and faster in front of him. He quickened his pace and, sure enough, caught up with the speedy grub. With one pounce, he was on it. Seconds later, he was enjoying a tasty snack and already looking for another. That's some impressive running, I see, a voice behind him uttered quietly. Harris gasped and turned around. There in the light of the lamppost stood the man who had spoken kindly to him only a few days before. Harris froze. The man could see that the little hedgehog had been taken completely by surprise. He smiled and bent down again on one knee a few feet away from him. Don't be afraid. I'm not going to harm you, he said softly. Harris was not sure what to do. Dad had always said never to trust a human. For a few moments they just looked at each other. Do you have a name? asked the man. Harris, said Harris quietly. Do you? David, said the man. Very nice to meet you. What are you doing in the park after dark? asked the hedgehog. Running. I run here two or three nights a week as well as Saturday morning. Harris thought for a moment. Why? he asked. The man smiled. He had grown tired of bending down on one knee and instead had taken a seat on a nearby bench. Because I like to. Besides, it's peaceful and quiet and there's not many people around. Harris moves a little closer, but not too close. He didn't know this man called David at all, really. Why do you all meet up in the morning once a week? Disturbs our sleep, said Harris. He sat down on the path, 
a few feet away from the man called David, who still sat on the bench. It's called a park run, David replied, leaning forward. The light from the lamp shone from behind him, making the stripes on his T-shirt glow brightly. You should come with us one time. You're a pretty good runner yourself. Ah, no, it's, it's not for me, Harry said, waving his paw, dismissing the idea. I only had to try and catch up with that grub just now because I was so hungry. Well, said David, think about it. Everyone's welcome. Thanks. With that, Harry stood up and dusted himself down. See you Saturday then, said David. And I promise we won't be quite so noisy this time, he smiled, stood up and waved goodbye. Harris waved back and watched as his new friend ran off into the darkness. Chapter 4 After David had gone, Harris realised he was still hungry. He was busy looking for food but also thinking about what David had said. Over by the lakeside were the juiciest grubs, worms, snails and slugs but it was a little way further than he normally searched. He thought for a moment, I could run there and back if I get a move on. I won't be gone that long. He looked behind him to see the rest of the family with their snouts to the ground, looking for something to eat. Won't be long, he shouted over. Just going a little way up here to see what I can find. His mother looked up. All right then, young man, she called back. But I want you home in half an hour, Harris nodded. OK, Mum. He felt a sudden sense of freedom and adventure, so he stood upon his hind legs and started to run. At first, he set off too fast and got very out of breath. So he slowed down a little. The night breeze whistled through his spines and he could feel his heart pounding in his chest. This was fun, he thought to himself. He was now a teenager and relished the spirit of adventure. Arriving shortly at the lakeside, he stopped and caught his breath. In the undergrowth there was plenty to eat. Snails, slugs, more wood lice and lots of worms. He also found an apple that a human had carelessly, carelessly thrown away so he tucked it under his arm with the intention of taking it home to share with the rest of the family. Once he had eaten, he took a slow, relaxing run back to their house. The night air was cool with a slight breeze and Owl hooted, flying from tree to tree, guiding Harris on his way back home. How lovely it was to be able to run everywhere, he thought. Back at home, Mother thanked him for the apple and straight away, Harriet had tucked into it, enjoying the sweet pulp on Chris's skin. Juice dripped down her chin and father frowned. Remember your manners, Harriet, he scowled. At least use a napkin. I'm all right, Dad, she mumbled with her mouth full. When you finish, it's soon time for bed. Some will be up in no time, her father replied. But you, my lad, he turned to his only son. I need to have a bit of a man-to-man -man chat with you. Harris looked over at his mother. She gave the young hug a knowing look and then went over to the yoga mat. Assuming the lotus position, she opened one eye which was fixed on her son. She nodded and closed it. A woman of few words was his mum, but he and his sister both knew when it was time to hush and listen. Once his little sister was in bed and sleeping peacefully, and mother was well into her tree pose, Harris and his dad sat by the fire together. Now, it has to be said that Harris's father was a very kind hedgehog. His manner was quite abrupt, but he meant well and had the welfare of his little family at heart. He sat now in the comfort of his armchair, made out of wood, a glass of worm juice swaying gently in his left paw. The light from the open fire warmed the brown fur on his face and the reflection of the flames danced in his eyes. Harris watched him in awe. He always looked up to his dad. 
Taking a sip of his juice and heaving a big sigh, the elder hedgehog stared into the flames and reflected on many things past. He reached down and playfully poked his only son on the nose, chuckling softly. Saw you talking to that human this evening, my boy, he said after a while. Harris did not reply. Instead, he let his father do the talking. There would be plenty of time to give his side of the story. He seems a decent sort, I suppose, but all the same, one of those that likes galloping around the lake for no reason. He took another sip of his drink. From over the other side of the room, out of the, out of the gloom, came his mother's voice. She was now doing a shoulder stand, but still managed to speak. Telling the story, Spike. His dad gave a deep sigh. <sighs> like running, do you? Yes, Dad, I think I do, replied the young hedgehog. Well, that's jolly good. Back in my day, when I was a lad, not much older than you, I liked to have a bit of a run myself. Harris gasped. Did you really? he whispered. It was a very, very long time ago. I was a young hog, full of spirit, just like you. Spike tapped his nose and winked. Harris almost held his breath, waiting for the next instalment of the story. So, what happened, Dad? Well, his father replied after a short pause. I got really into my running, ran everywhere, all of the time, loved it. Not with humans, though, it has to be said, just on my own. Then one day, I was hurtling along at top speed, so fast down this hill where we used to live, and disaster struck. Oh no, cried Harris, and he put his paw to his mouth. Yes, indeed, continued his dad. I was running so fast that I fell over and went into a roll, all the way down the hill and straight into a tree. Not myself out, I did. This was becoming a very exciting story, thought the little hedgehog. He urged his father to carry on to the end. When I woke up, I was back in the burrow I shared with my parents and my two brothers, your Uncle Prickles and your Uncle Knuckles, mm, had a bit of a headache, I did, and every spine on my back had a leaf stuck to it. Very annoying. Took your grandmother three days to get rid of them. She said I looked like somebody's hedge. Goodness me, Dad, that's awful. Did it put you off running for good? It did for a while. Didn't run for a few years after that. And then I met your mother and my priorities in life changed. I sort of forgot about running, really, until I saw you tonight. Brought a lot of old memories flooding back. Good ones as well as bad ones, added Harris quietly. Well, what I'm trying to say is it taught me two things, which I will now pass on to you. Don't ever run too fast that your little legs can't cope with the speed. And, he whispered closer to his son, your mother and I think you need, you need a decent pair of trainers like that human, David. Harris gasped. Could I really have a pair like that? If you're serious about going running with the part run lot, then you need something sturdy. We'll get you a pair before they come again. The little hedgehog could not believe his ears. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Mum, he said excitedly. Off to bed now, young man, his mother replied firmly. You've got to get your rest. With that, the little hog obediently did as he was told and was soon dreaming of a very nice pair of brand new running shoes. Chapter 5 the following day, and after Mother had finished the children's lessons, she gathered up her bag, made from the leaf of a rhubarb plant, placed three large worms in it and a big fat juicy blackberry. The fruit had been early that year, largely due, Spike had said, to having plenty of rain over the summer months. Come along, you two, she ordered. Time to go and see Mr Montgomery Mouse to get Harry some running shoes. Now, Mr Montgomery Mouse, or Mont the Meesh, as he was commonly known, had a small shop not far away, which was attached to his house. 
He sold pretty much everything and could turn his hand to most things, which included, on the odd occasion, shoes. As you can imagine, shoes were not commonly worn by the folk who lived in the woods, but every now and again, the need did arise. Mother opened the door to the little shop and the bell rang to let the occupants know they had customers. Harris and his sister loved it here. Mark Mamishi's wife was very fond of baking apple pies out of the back and the smell of freshly cooked apple, the heady aroma of cinnamon and fresh buttery pastry filled the little shop to the brim. They raised their snouts to catch the, to catch the delicious smells coming from the kitchen. From behind the curtain which led out back appeared Mont the Miche. He was a small grey mouse, not very tall, with a wide middle. Mother said it was because he ate too many of his, of his wife's apple pies. Good afternoon, Mr Montgomery, Mother said proudly, setting down her bag. Good afternoon, Mrs Hedgehog, and what can I do for you today? He replied politely, showing four alarmingly large teeth. I'd like a wide tooth comb, please, for Harriet's spines. They're getting a little unruly the older she gets. A nightmare to keep a ribbon in. Oh, and I wonder if you wouldn't mind measuring up Harry's here for some running shoes. Mark the Meech raised his eyebrows and rubbed his chin thoughtfully. Running shoes, he repeated slowly. Hmm. He went over to a shelf on the far side of the shop to get the comb Mother had requested and put it down on the counter. That'll be one large blackberry, please, Mrs H, he said firmly. Mother reached down and rummaged around in her bag. She took out the blackberry and set it down on the counter. Ah, fine-looking specimen, he exclaimed with delight. Now then, shoes, shoes, shoes. He looked deep in thought for a moment. After a while of walking around the shop looking for something, he finally found the tape measure in a drawer, which he unravelled and placed neatly around his neck. Just need to measure the young man's feet first, Mrs H. Yes, of course, said Mother, and motioned her son to go and sit on a chair over on the other side of the room. Mark the Meesh strode over and took the tape from around his neck. He bent over, revealing a little bit too much bottom out of the seat of his trousers. Harriet giggled, but soon stopped when Mother threw her a stern look. She looked away and decided to try out her new comb instead. Small feet, said Mont, after some moments of measuring. He looked over the top of his glasses. But I think I might have something out back that will do very well indeed. Just give me a second. Mother smiled in agreement. Harriet ran over to her brother and whispered something in his ear. They both giggled. Children, scolded Mother in a hushed voice. Enough. She knew exactly what they were giggling about and it most certainly involved Mr Montgomery Mouse and his tightly fitting trousers. Shortly, Mont the Meesh reappeared from behind his curtain, carrying a pale brown box. Now then, he said proudly, last year I made these for another client of mine, a certain Franklin Ferret. Very fast on his feet he was, but unfortunately he never got to wear them. They have stayed in the box ever since. Brand new, never been worn. Such a shame. Oh dear, said Mother. Did the poor chap meet with some sort of accident? No, replied Mont the Meesh abruptly. Took up tap dancing instead. Oh, said Mother. Anyway, if my measurements are correct, these beauties should fit our young man here very nicely. He opened the box with care and there inside were the most wonderful pair of running shoes Harris had ever seen. He gasped in amazement. They were bright red with black laces. Mother clapped her hands in delight. Harris tried them on quickly and tied up the laces carefully. He ran up and down the little shop and then jumped up and down on the spot. Do they fit? asked Mont the Miche. 
They're perfect, confirmed Harris. I love them. I can't thank you enough, Mr Montgomery, beamed Mother. How much for those? Montmamiche made a sucking noise with his teeth. A little more expensive, Mrs H. Specialised item, you see. He rubbed his chin with his paw again. But for you, I'll say four worms and an apple, medium-sized. I only have three worms in my bag, but I can acquire another, plus the apple to secure the payment, said Mother. Not a problem, Mrs H, replied Montmamiche, being as it's you. You and your husband are very good customers of mine. I'll put it on your tab. Any time within the next few weeks will be fine. You can take the shoes with you today. Why, thank you so very much, Mr Montgomery, Mother said, and held out her paw, which she shook heartily. Pleasure doing business with you, he replied. With that, the children and their mother left the shop. Harriet and her mother walked, but Harris, keen to try out his new running shoes, ran all the way home. Chapter 6 Later that evening, Harris had still not taken his shoes off, but was admiring them whilst he sat with his father in front of the fire. Very fine pair of running shoes, said Spike. Worth that little bit extra, I think, my lovely, he commented over his shoulder to his wife. She nodded in agreement and went once again over to her yoga mat, assuming her usual lotus position. Harris's eyes gleamed with excitement. He couldn't wait to try them out. I'm going to take the lad out for a while, added Spike. Give these bad boys a test run. Won't be long. His mother simply nodded and closed her eyes. Don't go wearing them out, she nodded. Outside, the night was cooler than usual. Harris and his dad could see their breath in the air. All was still. There was no one around, only the wise old owl up in the tree keeping watch. Spike went and sat over on the log at the side of the path. He crossed his legs, took out a little flask filled with worm juice and unscrewed the top slowly. Now then, my lad, he said thoughtfully after taking a sip of it, burping quietly and then excusing himself. A few basic things you need to know about running before you start doing it seriously. I don't need leg warmers, Harris quickly replied. Um, no, you don't need leg warmers, son. What are they, anyway? His dad looked confused. Like socks, but without feet in them. I don't want to wear those. They look really silly. No, 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 said Spike. All you need are a good pair of shoes and some passion for the sport. That's all. He shifted around to get comfortable on the log, cleared his throat and carried on with the training speech. Now then, the first thing is, don't set off too quick. You'll get out of breath. Just remember... You've got some ground to cover, so just go steady and run the mile you're in. But I get so excited, Dad. I want to go fast. Spike put up his paw. No, son, you will get out of breath and your body will run out of energy way before you get to where you want to be. You need to pace yourself. Harris took a deep sigh. He was getting a little bit bored of Dad lecturing him about stuff. He just wanted to be off and running. If you don't listen, you will get injured, my boy, and then you won't be able to run at all for a while. Okay, the young hog replied, rolling his eyes. He stood in the middle of the path with his hands on his hips, kicking the stones. Don't do that, you'll ruin those shoes and they're brand new. We paid good worms for those. Now then, continued his dad, taking another swig of the juice and wiping his mouth with the back of his paw. If you do get a bit tired, slow up a little. Give your body time to recover. Then when you feel stronger, go a bit faster. Suddenly, out of the darkness, they heard a sound. Spike hopped off his log and motioned Harris to come off the path and into the undergrowth. They could hear someone breathing heavily and the sound of footsteps quickly coming towards them. It's David, cried Harris, and he held up his paw as his friend ran into the lamplight. 
goodness me, cried the runner. Good evening, you two. I felt foraging again. He stood for a moment out of breath. Hi, David, replied Harris. Um, this is my dad. He's given me some running lessons. Look at my new shoes. David crouched down and stood with the young hog's shiny new footwear and nodded. Very impressive, he said. I bet they cost a bit. Money in fair words, replied Spike haughtily. Harris looked at his dad. Be nice. He's okay as humans go. Worth it if he's going to take it seriously, um, David, isn't it? Yes. How do you know? Nice to meet you. Spike's the name. Ah, yes, Spike. Very pleased to meet you. The two of them shook hands and David took a moment to sit down on the park bench again and chat. For about half an hour they discussed the basic rules of running and Spike found David to be a very agreeable sort of chap. He even offered him some worm juice, but David declined politely. Harry's felt he had learnt quite a lot from both of them and eventually David stood up. Listen, I've got to go now because my wife and children will be at home waiting for me as well, but please come along to the park run on Saturday. Anyone can join in. Try and get some practice runs in before then if you can. Harris looked at his dad. Can I? Of course, but like David says, you need some practice first. OK then, David, Harris replied. I'll see you there. Great, said David, and once again he disappeared off into the darkness, his footsteps echoing into the night. After one lap of the lake and a few runs up and down some little hills, Harris and his dad headed for home, very tired indeed. They didn't forget, however, to stop off and collect a few worms and grubs, as Harriet and Mother would surely be hungry. Chapter 7 The next few nights saw the pair out regularly on training sessions. When it was nearly midnight, Mother and Harriet would forage for food and the two males would disappear off to the lakeside. Sometimes Spike would run alongside his son, but got out of breath really quickly. Phew! His dad let out a big sigh. Need to lose a few pounds, Spike exclaimed, patting his ample tummy. Trouble is, I've got a thing for slugs. Your mother always says, a moment on the hips, a lifetime on the hips. I think she's right, my lad. Slugs are your favourite though, Dad, agreed the young hog. It's only if they're in the house under my nose, you see. Can't leave them alone. Spike shook his head. Harris smiled. He was thinking about the race with David and the other humans, which was only two days away. He felt a little nervous but excited at the same time. Spike stopped rubbing his ample tummy and walked over to his son. Know what you need, he said thoughtfully. Harris shook his head. A little bit of cross-training. Goes a long way to strengthen those muscles. Come with me. Spike put his arm around his son's shoulders and the two of them walked briskly in the direction of Mr Montgomery Mouse's shop. It's true to say that this store never closed. It was open 24 hours a day and well known throughout the park that Mrs Mouse's apple pies were always equally available. She was permanently up to her elbows in pastry and flour with apples cooking gently on the stove, smothered in cinnamon and sugar. The two hedgehogs could smell the sweetness of the fruit cooking as they opened the door and the bell announced their arrival. Through the curtain from out back came Mont the Miche wiping his paws on a small towel. Mr Spike, he exclaimed, smiling broadly. What a pleasure it is, sir, to see you and young Harris here. The little mouse raised both arms up in the air and then clapped his paws in delight. Now, what can I do for you this evening? I trust the running shoes are to your satisfaction. Mont looked a little concerned and rubbed his chin. Perfect. Couldn't be better. Thank you so much, Mr Montgomery. Spike put his arm on the counter and leant over as if to speak to the mouse in confidence. He looked around the shop so as no one could hear, but as there was no one else, it seemed pretty unnecessary to Harris. The truth is, whispered Spike, 
The boy is doing a race two days from now. Wants to do well, but those little legs need building up a bit. You know, I've told him he needs to cross-train. Montmamiche also leaned over from the other side of the counter. I see. He rubbed his chin again, and the two of them turned and looked at the young hog. What? Harris asked awkwardly. I've got just the thing out back, Mr Spike. Bear with me, won't you? With that, Mr Montgomery Mouse disappeared through the curtain. Moments later, he reappeared, pushing something that squeaked loudly. Harris could not see as the counter, and a large sack of grain masked his view, but very soon all became clear. By Jove, exclaimed Spike, what a marvellous specimen. You have surpassed yourself this time, my friend. He clapped his paws in delight and rubbed them together with glee. Now then, my boy, said Montmamiche, this will help build those muscles up in your young legs. Cross-training is rather important for runners like yourself. He proudly presented a small black three-wheeled trike, a little rusty in places and carrying a rather loud squeak. Two of the tyres were flat and there was a basket on the back of it. The three of them looked at it in silence. Harris's heart sank. Montmamiche sensed that Harris was not really that impressed. Needs a little tweaking here and there, but give me a few minutes and I can have it ready for you. A little oil and I'll pump up the tyres. He shuffled his feet nervously and darted a quick look over to Spike. You can borrow it if you like for a few days until you do your race. Thank you very much, Mr Montgomery, said Harris's dad as the chain fell off and the final tyre went flat, sounding for all the world like a squashed, whoopy cushion. Chapter 8 True to his word, as he always was, of course, Montmamiche did indeed have the little trike up and running within a short space of time. The tyres were plumped up, the squeak was replaced by perfect silence and the chain was fixed. A quick rub down with some woodlouse earwax and it was good to go. Harris was suitably impressed with the transformation and hopped on, eager to give it a try. He flicked the bell with his paw and beamed with delight. Thank you, Mr Montgomery Mouse, he said, looking over his shoulder, and with that was off down the track, away from the shop. Spike had given the shopkeeper a gift of two fat slugs and an apple as a way of saying thank you. He also knew that this meant more apple pies would, would come from Mrs Mouse's kitchen. Harris rode the little bike for hours up and down the tracks in the park, going so fast at times that leaves and dust would fly out from under the back wheels as he sped away. Spike stood proudly and watched his son. His determination alone would see him through on the day of the run. The little hedgehog was unrelenting when it came to training. After two laps of the lake, he screeched to a halt in front of his dad. Rest time now, my boy, ordered the elder. Getting enough rest is equally as important as training hard. Remember that. He patted Harris on the shoulder and they both returned home, putting the bike safely in the little shed at the side of the house, just in case it rained. A rusty bike would be of no use at all and it was always a good idea to take care of things, especially when someone was kind enough to trust you with their property. Before bed, his mother had suggested to join her on the yoga mat for a few stretches. Afterwards, he felt much better and slept very well indeed. The following day, just before dusk and on the eve of the run, Harris was about to put on his running shoes when his mum stopped him. Not tonight, my love, she shook her head but smiled kindly. Save up your energy for tomorrow morning. You'll need it. But I want to go out and train, Mum, the young hog protested. No, she said firmly. Tonight, you rest. Come and forage with us, by all means, but no bike ride and no running. Big day tomorrow and I want you to get some sleep tonight, even if it's just a few hours. You can't run the race when you are tired, Harris. He knew not to argue with his mother and did as he was told. 
He busied himself gathering food for the family and even found a very large juicy apple which he decided to save and to give it to Mr Montgomery Mouse by way of a thank you for all he had done for him. It was the least he could do. By midnight he was safely tucked up in bed. His parents and sister kissed him goodnight and placed his newly cleaned running shoes close by, ready for the following morning. Big day tomorrow, son, whispered his dad. Chapter 9 the morning of the race dawned. Birds sang happily in the trees and chattered together excitedly. The sun shone brightly overhead and flowers turned their faces towards it, smiling and welcoming the warmth it brought them. Over at the shop, Mr Montgomery Mouse and his wife had finished their breakfast and were busy washing their whiskers. Once they had both put on their hats and Mrs Mouse had applied a little lipstick, they closed up the shop and set off to watch the race. Mrs Mouse wanted to watch Harris set off and Mr Mouse wanted to watch him finish, so in order to do both successfully, they had decided to use the trike. The home of the hedgehogs was a hive of activity. Spike was preparing breakfast, Harriet was trying desperately to get her new comb through her spines and help Mother with a banner they had prepared to cheer Harris on. Time was running out and Harris was getting very nervous. He put on his running shoes and did a few stretches. Time to go, everyone, shouted his dad, and with that they all hurried out of the house. Over by the pathway, a crowd had started to gather. Harris could see his friend David and a human called Margaret. A number of his woodland friends had come to cheer him on too and stood under a tree nearby, waving little flags. Good morning, Harris. David bent down and shook his little friend's paw. Good luck today. Thank you. Good luck to you too, Harris gulped nervously. Don't worry, you will be just great. Relax and enjoy it. Remember what your dad told you. Don't set off too quick or you'll run out of energy. OK, thanks, Harris replied. A human in ordinary clothes stood over on the other side of the path and gave everyone instructions about staying safe on the run. Apparently, there would be people along the route who would help you know where to go. Harris took his place amongst the others at the start line and breathed deeply. Next to him was David and lying in the side of the path were his family. Mother and Harriet were holding a banner high up in the air which read, Run, Harris, run. Harriet squealed with delight and excitement and jumped up and down. Spike stood nervously with his arms folded across his chest and to Harris's delight he saw some late arrivals. His Uncle Knuckles and Uncle Prickles had come to watch too. He had not seen them since Christmas. They were both very busy hogs working as security guards at a dance hall right on the edge of the park. Harris gave everyone a little wave and waited. Suddenly he heard a whistle and the race began. He remembered what his dad and David had said to him and he started off quite slowly. Good luck, brother, shouted Harriet. I'm so proud of you. Harris beamed with pride. Once his family and friends were out of view, he was able to concentrate on the race. Some of the humans had passed him and were way up in front. However, David stayed alongside his new running buddy and shouted words of encouragement. Don't worry about what they're doing. Just focus on your own race. I'll stay with you for the first one. Make sure you're OK. Thanks, puffed Harris, and they ran on. The route took them two laps of the lake, then over the little wooden bridge, through the Japanese garden, and the finish line was over the far side of the park, very close to where the ice cream van stood. Harris liked the thought of ice cream, but he knew that milk and dairy was bad for hedgehogs and made them poorly. Still, no harm in dreaming about it. They were almost at the end of their first lap of the lake when Harris started to feel a little bit tired. David had noticed he had dropped back slightly, so he also altered his pace accordingly. 
Slow it right down if you're struggling, he whispered. It doesn't matter how long it takes you. Just concentrate on getting over the finish line. Harris nodded. He knew he had to be careful and save some energy for the rest of the race. They ran on into their second lap of the lake when all of a sudden something caught his eye. There, trundling alongside them, was a sight to be behold. Mrs Mouse was pedalling industriously on the little trike that he had borrowed only days before. But attached to the back of it was an old doll's pram, bumping along merrily. In the pram were Mr Mouse and the rest of the hedgehog family. Harris's mother and father were desperately trying to hold on and wave the banner at the same time, while Uncle Knuckles and Prickles steered at it as best they could to stop it tipping over. Go on, lad, shouted Spike. You can do it. And he waved frantically at his son as Mrs Mouse pedalled faster to keep up with the crowd of runners. This spurred the young hog on even more. He beamed at his family and looked up towards David. Seeing them cheering him on gave Harris the determination he needed. Very soon they were nearing the second lap of the lake and almost halfway there. It was now that Harris felt his most comfortable. His muscles were nicely warmed up and he could feel power and strength surging through his body. David looked down from time to time and gave a thumbs up, which he guessed meant that all was going well. Turning a sharp corner, they then ran through the Japanese gardens, which were very pretty indeed during the daytime. Even with autumn fast approaching, the flowers and plants still held their colour. Harris guessed that they could be near the end, but he still felt good. His spines tingled and the air was pleasantly warm. Running made him feel so wonderful that he had already decided that this was what he wanted to do every week with his new friends. Just a little way further, Harris, and we are at the finish line, said David. He was quite out of breath now, but the wind whistled through his hair and he looked so happy. David pointed to something in the distance. There it is! With that, the little hedgehog made an extra effort and with the end in sight ran faster than he had ever done in his life. He could just see everyone waiting for him and cheering. With an extra spurt of energy, he and David crossed over the finish line. What a wonderful feeling it was. He felt proud, not only of himself, but of everyone who had run the race. Fantastic effort, cried David. Thank you very much, he beamed and ran over to his family and friends who were waiting to congratulate him. When Mother and the rest of the clan had hugged him excitedly, Harris made his way over to David, who was sitting on a bench eating a banana. Well done, my friend. Did you enjoy that? I certainly did, replied Harris, grinning from ear to ear. They shook hands and Harry sighed contentedly. Looking down at his running shoes, he felt very happy with himself indeed. David reached into his backpack and took something bright and gleaming out of it. Finishing his banana and placing the yellow skin in the waste bin next to him, he was able to take the mystery object in both hands. This is for you, he smiled. Why, thank you, whispered Harris. What is it? A medal, replied David, and he placed a red ribbon around the little hog's neck. A bright, shiny disc nestled against his chest. My little girl made it for you, added David. You are quite the most remarkable little hedgehog I have ever met, and I am very proud to call you my running partner. Harris felt that he could not be happier and grinned from ear to ear. Same time next week, then? asked David. Absolutely, replied the little hog. Chapter 10 After the excitement of the day had calmed down and the family were all back at home, Harry sat in front of the fire with Spike and admired his medal. It was true to say that father was more than proud of his son. Are you going to carry on running now then, my boy? Oh yes, Dad, he replied quietly, most definitely. 
pardon the pun, but I think you just may have the running bug, chuckled Spike, taking a large gulp of his worm juice. Harry smiled to himself. Night, Dad. I'm going to turn in now. Really tired. He left his father snoring softly in the chair, kissed his mother goodnight and was very happy to get into bed. Harris lay on his side, clutching the medal in both paws, stroking it. Very soon he fell asleep and dreamed of running races, but not just small ones, big races all over the world, far beyond the park gates. He did not realise it yet, but running had not only given him happiness, strength and determination, it had also blessed him with a newfound confidence. He was capable of doing whatever he put his mind to. It just goes to prove that even the smallest of creatures can make a big impact on the world. So that was Harris the Hedgehog and his running adventure by A.V. Turner. And A.V. Turner joins us today. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. This is a real fabulous story. So where does the love of hedgehogs come into it? Do you have a garden full of hedgehogs? Um, I know, but I apparently when I was two, one came into our garden um, and uh, I think we'd had goose for Christmas Day lunch and my dad gave this hedgehog uh, the rest of the goose fat, which it sort of ate very noisily. <laughs> and um, I don't remember it, but apparently I was standing right next to it as it was eating this goose fat. Oh, right. And, and uh, that's sort of, you know, it's always, uh, I don't know, they, they're just the, these really enigmatic little creatures that have always fascinated me. Yeah, they really are lovely creatures. Um, yeah. So is that the hedgehog then that inspired you to start writing about Harris? Did you name him Harris? Um, I named him Harris, yes. Um, but I also have uh, two hedgehogs as pets. Ah, okay. No, I mean the hedgehog so, that your dad fed goose fat to. Did you name him Harris? Oh, no, I don't know. <laughs> no, that's, the, the, the name Harris sort of just came out the blue, really. Um, but my male hedgehog that I've got as a pet, he's called Harris. Oh, so do you keep them in a cage then? I've never known people to have pet hedgehogs or are they just running freely in the garden? Um, they have a little bit of each the, oh, so they okay. can, uh, I've got a very enclosed garden so they can have a little run around on a nice day um, if it's not too bright because their eyesight's not brilliant. So, um, but yes, they, they, my dad and I made um, a special apartment for them both. So Harris has got the top apartment and um, my female hedgehog, Hazel, she's got the, uh, the uh, apartment underneath his. I can feel another book coming on there, you know, Harris and Hazel. Think. I can already picture it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and the, the lovely news is that Hazel's just had uh, a litter of babies. Oh, how lovely. So are they little yeah. balls, balls of fur then? They are, uh, when they're born, they're very sort of pale pink and the spines are very, very soft. And then they start, you know, the spines start to come through after a little while. Oh, so they, tomorrow they'll be a week old. Well, how sweet. So do you think then that you know quite a bit about wild hedgehogs? Yeah, I think since um, I wrote the first book, I've, um, I mean, it's always been something that has interested me, but... I think since I wrote the first book, I've, I've learned an awful lot about them. Yes, yeah. definitely. 
So you've re do you think you'll get more for the garden? Do you think you'll keep some of these baby hedgehogs that Hazel's had? I'm not sure yet. The thing is, you get very attached to them. Is it something, though, that you would advertise? Would people want to buy a Oh, yes, a absolutely, really? yeah. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I have a, a, another friend who is um, also a hedgehog breeder. And we had, actually, Hazel as a baby from, from her. And are they expensive, then, to buy hedgehog babies? Yeah, they can be, but they're very, very um, cheap pet to keep. Wow, gosh. You've really, I've, well, every day's a school day. I did not know oh, that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So you used to be an adult fiction writer. Yes. Right. So yeah. How, what made you change then to start writing children's stories? Um, I always um, had the idea that I would like to uh, write uh, books for children, but I never... And I, I was always sort of thinking, well, I'm not sort of sure where, it, you know, or what, in what way I'm going to write it all. Or, so I had no idea, but I knew that I wanted to write uh, fictional running books for kids to try and get them outside um, and encourage uh, exercise. And um, I remember uh, I had a really awful, horrible, disastrous 10K run. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> one of those you know yeah. um it was a, a proper you know a proper 10k and I just hated the whole thing right from beginning to end and I remember going home and going to sleep that night and when I'd woken up and in the morning I had uh, a plot line I had uh, characters everything everything laid out that so it couldn't I, have been I, that I wanted bad to then. Do. so it was the worst experience so for you but yeah look how it's turned out for yeah. you yeah but it, it must have um, brought out some creativity, I think. Definitely. So when you entered the 10K then, so you, are you not a regular runner as such? Was it something you just did the, as a one-off or does the running side of it come from a, a hobby of yours? Um, yes, I, did. I was a bit late to running. I was 44 when I started running. And um, it's one of those things, I think, where, you know, once you've got the bug, that's it. Yes. Yes. And um, so, yeah, so I was, I was very late to, to running, and, um, uh, uh, but better late than never, I would say. Um, and uh, so I've been running ever since. And I did my first half marathon two years ago. And then I was due to do another one this year. But of course, with COVID and everything, it's been postponed till next year. Yeah, I take my hat off to you because I've done, I do a little bit of running and I've done 5K and 10K and I did mm. one half marathon, but I could feel all my organs closing down. And I remember wake, waking up hours later with my bib on still because I was I literally just passed out. I was so exhausted. Oh, no, so I really? I really do respect anybody doing half marathons or a full marathon. I mean, I'd love to be oh. able to. No, yeah, it's not going to happen. No, no. It's not a, full, happen. a full marathon is, is not going to happen for me. I have to be realistic. <laughs> Isn't it? It's a different league altogether. Oh, absolutely. It's just, uh, yeah, I met somebody last week who uh, was, um, I think she, she'd done a, a full marathon in two hours and some 53 or something. So that's, that's, a sub that's an athlete. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was, you know, um, just unbelievable. I, I think I, I did my half marathon in three hours 10 
Yeah, that's good. And I was yeah. I was happy with that. Yeah. yeah, I think I was about 320, 322, something like that. So you're a bit quicker than me. That's really good. I mean, I love anyone, anything that's that's inspired a story like that from running. I think it, it's wonderful. And about and you've also put things like his experience of running and, and the training in there as well, which is which is really good, isn't it? Because you've really got to prepare. Yeah. For mountains yeah. and things, haven't you? Yeah, that's right. It's it's that say that famous saying, isn't it? Uh, uh, prepare, fail to prepare, and prepare to fail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So of course you've gone from adult fiction then to children's stories. Was it quite an easy transition for you then? It sounds like it was if you had that story plotted out literally the next day. But obviously you've written other stories. What? How's that been for you? Is it harder writing children's stories? No, actually, I I thought that the the transition would be difficult, but actually, I think it, it helps if you're a, a parent and you you know you've got a lot of experience of reading uh, kids' books to your children. Um, so I think as a mum, that sort of uh, helped really. And I just tried to sort of make things, you know, as simplistic as possible. Um, and I also uh, asked my daughter to uh, read the uh, manuscript first before I sort of did anything with it. Yeah. And, um, and she really enjoyed them. So, I, yeah, I found it really easy, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. So how, has your how, how have your stories been received by children then and their parents? Um, surprisingly, really well, actually, uh, Harris has got his own little fan base going now. <laughs> um, and yeah, I've been absolutely thrilled with, with, uh, how he's been received. I think the fact that he's such a lovable little character, um, you know, helps a lot, but yeah, I've, I mean, I've had, um, you know, I mean, he's got fans in America, Australia, all oh, over the world amazing. which is amazing yeah really brilliant oh well done you so it's been really lovely talking to you today av so if anybody has any questions about harris or they want to get in touch with you or purchase your book how can they get in touch um they can get in touch with me uh via my facebook page um i'm also on instagram av turner writer um i'm also on twitter and um, yeah, any, any uh, hedgehog related or running questions even. <laughs> and where can, they, where can they buy the book from? Where can they buy these Harris books from? Um, they can buy them from Amazon or uh, direct from me if uh, they would like a signed copy. So do you have a website, AV? Or... No, no, I don't have a website. I literally just run off uh, social media. And if anybody wants to uh, DM me, then they're, they're very welcome. And I'll, you know, get back to them within a couple of hours for sure. Brilliant. Oh, well, thanks for joining us today. And we look forward to hearing more about Harris and his running. Lovely. Thank you for having me. Bedtime Stories is sponsored by Team Author UK, independent publishers. If you have a fabulous story to tell, get in touch, as they excel at helping writers just like you. Visit their website at www.teamauthoruk.co.uk or on their social media platforms at Team Author UK.